Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Benedict, and I'm feeling happy and proud. I'm Benedicta. Today is May 24th. This is episode number 140, and I am feeling accomplished. With us today mm. is the wonderful Pierre, co-founder of Web Scraping API Scraping B. How are you <laughs> feeling today? I'm feeling very excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're Thanks so happy you're here. to come on. <laughs> Um, so we actually know Pierre a little bit, both of us. So this is going to be uh, be a fun one. I spent some days with him in Athens, and I guess you know him even better, Benedict. Well, I never met him in person, so uh, but we've been on the same mastermind for the last two years. It's been two years, but now, right? Yeah, exactly two years. But if we say that one hour of Zoom equal thirty minutes live. We could say maybe we met a few hours now. <laughs> yeah, have to to shift our. I don't know why. Yeah, it's COVID time, so yeah. Let's say we know each other. Yeah, in all, we may, maybe talked to each other for like twenty hours total. Something like exactly. That. Okay, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, so I win then. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. But so you said you were excited. Is it just because of this awesome podcast recording or is there uh, more to the to the more reasons to be excited this week? Um, no, actually, I think it was really because of the podcast, which is probably the best news of my week regarding Screeping Me. So, so Ooh, that sounds pretty grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not the best of time, but it's it's neither the worst of time for the company but yeah i was debugging some infra scaling issue all day long and so it's my little breath of fresh air nice got it i've started to realize that i maybe don't want this as business after all because benedict talks about scaling issues and in infrastructure almost at least once a month <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, seems true to never I go mean, away. That's what we sell, right? Like we have a SaaS, so our customer don't have to to take care of all of this. Like if it was that easy, we probably wouldn't have a business in the first place anyway. So True. that's how how I uh, like, yeah, how I think about it. That's true. Yeah. Do so, you also get those comments when you're like dealing with scaling issues that people are like? Hey, that's nice. At least you've got scaling issues. You should be proud yeah, yeah. of yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time. And so, I mean, there is like two kinds of scaling issues, you know. There's the nice ones, such as, okay, my billing is exploding. What should I do to reduce the billing? And you then negotiate like a new contract, whatever, with providers. Or, you know, you're going to get an issue in three to five months because some database table is going to be full. Those are the nice ones. And then there is a, oh my God, everything broke up at 3 a.m. You wake up at 8, you see the support, like 25 tickets open. It's broken, what's happening? And then angry uh, interrogation mark everywhere and passive aggressiveness everywhere. <laughs> and, you're and you're alone and you're fighting and you're answering on support. So you're, yeah, your debugging is even slower. So yeah. Those are definitely not the fun ones. 
<laughs> that's true. Yeah, I, I know you had your fair share of scaling issue twos and uh, and big trouble. So yeah, yeah. But I feel like that's a good nice. good segue into explaining what problem scraping B solves before we go any further into the nitty gritty. Yeah, sure. So scraping B is a web scraping API. So by API, it's like a tool for developers to automatically automatically get a lot of pages and information on lines. So usually, if you want to web scrape, there's a few things you need to manage yourself, such as finding a good proxy provider or having to deal with headless browsers, like real Chrome instances you have to to run and manage to render a full website. And so we do that so you don't have to. And uh, and we have lots of users who have big web scraping needs and the, the scaling issues. Okay. Now you can go back to commiserating about scaling issues. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, but as you said, it's so that I don't have to find all those things and manage those things. But when I tested out scraping, um, be a, I also found that like it just gives me a really nice API to work with and instead of having yes. to kind of come up with all of that myself. It was easy, kind of really easy to parse, um, parse yeah, and exactly. a page. So the initial value proposition was to basically be like, an infrastructure provider, maybe like we provide proxies and transparently provide proxies and a headless browser. And then those last two years, we've built a lots of utilities feature that makes uh, web scraping like easier, funnier, and more accessible. So, so yeah, such as like parsing HTML is not very hard, but yeah, it can be can easily take a few hours to put in place if you've never done it. Well, instead you can just spend maybe 15 minutes reading our documentation and we will parse the HTML on our end and returns you nice uh, JSON object. So that's the kind of thing we developed, yeah. And I also see that you have screenshot. You can make screenshots with Scraping B as well now. Yeah. Exactly, you know, you can make screenshots, you can also code some kind of JavaScript scenario, like let's say you want to scrape a website and the information you want is behind a pop-up or a drop-down, and, and it won't be loaded inside the DOM before you click on some buttons. Well, you can easily do this with a scraping B. Uh, we also have, what else do we have? A PDF rendering. Is coming soon, um, uh, and a knockout integration. Yeah, we also develop an integration with uh, Integromat. Now it's called mm -hmm. Make. dot com to to make web scraping even even easier. Cool. So, how long have you been at it with scraping B? I think we're going to celebrate. I think maybe today would be the, the third anniversary of Scraping B. Like, depending on what you consider being the first day, the first commit was, yeah, around the end of May. So definitely three years. 
Did you say like today, as in like specifically today? <laughs> Maybe it's tomorrow. Like it, it, it's not quite easy on GitHub to find the first commit. Like, and I don't remember the the Git command to find it. But yeah, it's a uh, end of May. We we did the first uh, commit on the repo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because somebody I, else has I didn't their anniversary. Mentioned today. it earlier. Yeah. Today's like the fourth birthday of uh, Userlist Inc. Like we incorporated ah, yeah, for exactly four years today uh, yeah, ago today. So yeah, well, that was I, that, that would have been a coincidence if like you incorporated on the same day. Yeah, no, we <laughs> because we've made uh, a first product that was in the same incorporated entities before scraping B. The the incorporated entity is actually. Five, four and a half years old. So, yeah, yeah. So, w w what did you do before uh, starting Scraping B? So, before Scraping B, we did Pricing Bot, which was a price monitoring tool for e-commerce. So, the idea was, ideally, you have a Shopify uh, store, you link it to Pricing Bot. We go and find some competitor's product on the web. We add it to your dashboard and you get alert as soon as some competitors try to undercut you or do some sales. And then you can auto reprice, you know, your whole catalog to always be the, the cheapest or maybe not the cheapest, but yeah, to, to react to those price changes. Uh, but it failed for various reasons. Probably the first one was that it was an awful product, but also <laughs> that we... I mean, it was hard to pull off. Like, it's quite hard to automatically match a product with all the competitors. Like, especially we had lots of edge cases. Like, we had a mattress mm -hmm. reseller. And then his catalog was all, okay, mattress, uh, 10 number reference, and then some uh, dimension. And when you went to the competitors, well, all the dimension, all the prices were on a PDF. So extracting those were impossible to automate. Like, I mean, we, we could have automated those, but it was very hard to make a generic solution that could apply to all mm -hmm. our customers. So basically... What we've built was not a good SaaS, but not a great service either. So, yeah, it didn't have a lot of future. So, you know how some people say there are some products you can't bootstrap because it's just too complex to, to do without having a big team? I think Pricing Bot was maybe one of those products. Mm, interesting. So it's like uh, a lot like a product that would maybe just like variant not automating it altogether or like just like building some tool set to make it to have yeah. like cheap contractors researching the prices and yeah, updating them once per day or something like that. Definitely. But that's one thing. But to be honest, like at first we did it manually, like for the record with Kevin, we spent five full days matching, uh, adult doll for an uh, adult shop in Sweden. <laughs> it was weird days. Like I remember my mother-in-law 
uh, entered in the in the office where I was working. She was, oh, sorry, yeah, okay, I'll let you work, no problem, no worries. <laughs> like I was just matching like uh, Tristiana. Uh, I don't know, like yeah, whatever. So we did everything. <laughs> it was a pain. And even when we did that, people wouldn't subscribe. Like, we tried to automate something that people wouldn't have paid for anyway. So, mm -hmm. yeah. like, as I said, everything was wrong with the business. Like, the ideas, the execution, the, the targets, um, everything. The logo was nice. Right. <laughs> the logo was good. Okay. The well, that's the important part, right? The, the the first thing you get is the domain, and the second thing you get yeah. is the logo, right? <laughs> exactly. No, and no credits were credits due. Like Kevin did, like his first arms in SEO. Like he he played with it uh, for the first time, I believe, and, and he had some great results, which allowed us to sell it to a competitor, even though we were making less than five hundred dollar MRR afterwards. That's oh, so you sold the company, but or the the blog, or the company? Uh, we, yeah, we sold the uh, the company because, I mean, not the company, the products, the full products. So the blog plus the code, which was worthless. But we had some, uh, I don't know, maybe three, four thousand trial. So those would be basically good mailing list for a competitor, and. Um, The company that bought us, I talked with its founder, I think one year ago, and he told me that it wasn't the best M&A ever, and uh, they basically broke even with uh, when they bought us. So, yeah, we that's what we sold. So you did well. No, no, I, I mean, no, no, like, we, we sold it for low five figures so no after... but i mean like you did well in this kind of in the deal like he broke even which means you kind of got as as much as yeah. you could have gotten yeah, yeah. for the exactly. for the company for the product yeah 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 um so when did you switch or what made you switch to scraping b which also has a really nice logo or at least oh. now has a really nice logo thank you <laughs> so we switch when we realized that pricing bot would get nowhere Like, and we were also like, we no longer wanted to work on it. And uh, we only have three months of runway. So we had to find an ID quickly. When we built pricing bot, we were using a web scraping API, which was good, but not that good. And we thought, okay, we can do at least as good. And we can probably do better if we have enough time. So... That's how we ended up building Sweeping B. Like we didn't thought too much about it. What really made us made the switch that we noticed that with pricing bot, our target were e-commerce owners, and we knew none of them. We didn't know the industry. We didn't know actual e-commerce owners. Whereas when we've considered building Sweeping B, we realized okay, this time we're going to build for people like us, for developers. We know web scraping quite well. We know what why people do web scraping, where they do web scraping. We know who to talk to at some companies who do web scraping. So that sounded like a much better idea than our previous company. So did you run out of the like three months runway? 
so actually, because we managed to sell pricing bot, we extended the runway a bit. But we built the initial MVP, whatever, in like three weeks. And then we and then one month after we went live. Like we were in beta phase for a month, I think. And then we went live in uh, early July. Do you feel like having like being embedded in that community made it a lot easier in the early days of getting it up and running and getting the first customers? Yeah, definitely. So being in some web scraping communities really helped us get some feedback and user, but we probably, yeah, I mean, I think we could have make it, made it without being in those communities. But what really helped the most was to know developers, to know where they hang out on the internet, the kind of content they like to read, the, the kind of problem they have, the kind of language they talk. Uh, that, that is what helped uh, the most. So essentially you build a product for developers and it's successful, even though everyone always says like, don't sell stuff to developers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, people, I mean, we didn't sell it to developers. We, our target were developers who were solving problems at companies, you know, like we mm. didn't sell it to developers to to, I don't know, to improve their swag or to make their computer more pretty or, you know, like, because when you consider developers, you can consider them as almost consumer, you know, or as uh, businesses. And we choose the, the latter approach. Makes sense. Yeah. So how has it been since then? Uh, since then, things have been cool. Uh, we've been growing uh, nicely for for the last uh, uh, what is it? yeah three years, and um, we're now a small team of four. So there's Kevin, my co-founder, doing all the marketing, and uh, much more. There's uh, Etienne, the main API developer. There is also Nizar who is doing all the support. And there is me. I do, I used to do a lot of support. I also do development and I like product user research and sometimes a bit of content. So yeah, we're, we, we don't intend to, to hire a lot more this year. And, um, and that's where we're at right now. Can you share any numbers or how is that? Yeah. Yeah. So we reached the 1 million ARR mark last November. Uh, we hope to reach 2 million ARR this year. And uh, we have more than 500 customers. So it's we have the chance to have a good ARPU, you know, like average revenue per user, which means like, we don't need to have 3,000 customers, for example, to reach 1 million AR, which would make the whole uh, keep uh, keep the whole like stay start small, stay small thing uh, much harder. So 
Yeah. Uh, we have this chance, and um, and uh, yeah, that's like any other number you would like to know. <laughs> I know the listeners love numbers, so oh, we gotta okay, okay. we gotta ask. Um, but um, what was I thinking about? Yes, I was gonna ask when you were talking about the team if you're all. Um, are you all located in? Because I know you're in France. Are are you all French and fully remote, or we're all fully remote? We're three of us are French because actually, like Kevin and Etienne, I've known them since high school, so that's where I met them initially. Uh, Nizar is in Morocco. Is Moroccan and. Uh, for the freelancer we work this we work with we have one one or two in England doing some content uh, one in the US I think and then like yeah a little bit of everywhere were you best friends in high school and have been ever since or yeah we were quite close yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so actually like Kevin is the reason being friend with Kevin is the reason why that made me ended up uh, doing computer science study. And um, Etienne, uh, yes, yeah, same. He also, I've also spent hours and hours playing with him on World of Warcraft or uh, <laughs> Super Smash Bros. And also, yeah, lots of fun memories with them. And uh, and it's been good ever since. That's cool. nice. That is really cool. It is kind of, you know, the narrative a little bit in pop culture. But when I've talked to people online, it's really not that common. So it's it's fun that you actually, you know, were friends in high school and started computer yeah. science and played, you know, games together. And then they start funding the company together. It's 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 cool that, you know, the <laughs> the uh, the narrative actually is true for some people. Um now yeah, I remember what I was trying to follow up on. Sorry, keep on talking about the friends. <laughs> no, I like at first I was a bit afraid to do this that move because you're putting a lot on the line, uh, mainly with Etienne because with Kevin from day one we knew okay let's build a company together so that was the best a bet we were like ready to make. Uh, but for Etienne, like it would be okay maybe he's a. You know, the balance can be a bit tricky, you know, like you're basically his boss, but it's also one of your best friends, like, and, you, and all that. So what we ended up doing was like, naturally at first, Etienne left his job and we needed some help for a, a feature. And I asked Etienne, like, okay, do you want to come work with us for like three to six months? We have this a big feature we'd like to develop, but we can't hire full-time people, a full-time person for now. Like, what do you think? And he said, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. And then we ended up working together for six months. And it was very fun. And it was also very cool. And, you know, like, when, when you make your first hire, there's a big trust component. Like, you're going for the first time to give access to a lot of things to basically a stranger who do who you do not know and to someone who you've never met in person. So it's a bit risky. So with Etienne, we had this whole thing completely written off. 
and it ended up working very well for six months. So after six months, I asked him, okay, if you enjoyed this, we have lots of developing needs. If you want to come aboard, it would be a pleasure. But if you don't want to, like, no offense, no issue at all. And uh, and see you Saturday anyway. So that was basically <laughs> the conversation. So, yeah. And he said yes, and he's been working well ever since. Does he have any stakes in the company outside being an employer? Employee? No. Sorry, I always forget <laughs> employee. <laughs> Yeah, so so no, it doesn't. But what we do is a kind of a revenue share agreement. That's smart. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems uh, fair, the most fair solution for the both of us. Like, it works, we earn, we're profitable. We, so we, we're going to share revenue and... Uh, since, you know, we've built this company for the last four years, we've taken most of the risk with Kevin. We also don't know, like, if we've ever managed to sell it to someone at some point. So we we choose to, to keep the share, but to to share the, the revenue. And uh, that's something he, he also liked, to have real cash at the end of the year. Instead of <laughs> share, <laughs> this is a future yeah. future nothing. No, in your case, it's going to be worth a lot. I'm sure. I I saw Nathan Barry of ConvertKit did a thread on that. I think uh, yesterday, where they do like yeah. a four way approach, where they do that like revenue share, and then they do salary, but then they also do a little bit of a like future stake in the company. And I can't remember what the fourth one was, but um, because he said like if you. If you want to be an employ employee, I guess it's the correct word. Yes, um, you know you. It's there's a reason you haven't started it something yourself for like a future payout. Like you don't want to take that kind of risk, or you're not that kind of person. You so it is nicer to have kind of shorter term um, compensation. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally agree. So back to the numbers, because now I remembered yeah. what I was going to ask. Um, have you taken any funding or are you kind of fully bootstrapped? Well, I can say no here. So, yeah, I'll admit it. Yeah, we joined Tiny Seed uh, <laughs> two, when was it? Like two years ago, I think. Yeah, we were 2020 yep. batch. I'm actually on the same batch as a Benedict. And um, so, yeah, we took a, a small check, like around, their terms are public, but it's like around 100K dollars for between, I think, 10 and 15% of the company. And it was really cool. And it was a good timing because the month we received the money was actually the month the whole lockdown began. And the first month we observed a decrease in revenue so you know it really made the stress made the whole situation way less stressful than it would have been without the whole money and uh we also i mean i'm sure you talked about tiny seed on this podcast before but yeah the whole tutor thing community thing mastermind and all was very very valuable yeah i remember like when you just said like uh it was uh, the time when the lockdown started. And I remember exactly this. Like, I think the the 
it was the week we got the money. It was also the week where yeah. basically the whole world imploded. Yeah. And part of me was expecting that they will just bail out, but they didn't. Luckily, yeah, exactly. Same. And it was, and it was like by the end of that week, it was like a huge sense of relief because then you exactly. had the money. And you knew you'd be safe for at least a year or even longer. Yeah. And the world can go to shit. You'll be fine for the next year, which was like a huge, yeah, a huge relief. Yeah, I remember exactly. that as well. Exactly same. I, I was, we were like, we're giving, well, we don't know those people. They're in the US. Maybe they're going to bail out. Let's hope they are as strong uh, as they say they are. And they were. And they, uh, yeah, it ended up working and uh, made us go through this whole thing I wouldn't say smoothly but like less, less stress stressed. maybe yeah less yeah. stress a lot yeah. less stress because you had the bootstrapping stress that's always here like okay what happens if it fails I don't want to go back find a work what happens if I run out of money uh, what happens if that big customer uh, churn. What happens if those two k we've spent off on marketing ended up uh, being useless? And uh, and that really that was a big relief. Totally. So um, one one more thing I wanted to ask you: um, you're super popular on Twitter in the <laughs> at least in the SaaS crowd. It looks like and. You kind of thought leadering a lot there, like posting insightful stuff. Um, do you and feel funny like this stuff. helped you? And funny stuff as well. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Do you feel like this helped you getting Scraping B off the ground? Or mm. is your Twitter audience a result of Scraping B's success? Or I don't know. No, that's definitely like, it's definitely the other way around. Like, that's funny. Like, two months ago, I digged into Google Analytics and we only got one track customer out of Twitter. And I'm not even sure it's from my account. Like it can totally be from Tiny Seed or Scraping B or uh, someone else right. account. So that's how profitable this uh, acquisition <laughs> channel is for us. Uh, but we've had some nice second order effect. So I'm just going to talk about the company here and then switch to the personal benefit. But for the company, we've had a couple of nice backlink. For example, like last year, I talked about Microsoft Clarity, how cool it was. And then the PM of Microsoft Clarity reached out and said, hey, we want to write a case study. Like, can you help us do that for Scraping B and Microsoft Clarity? And by the way, Microsoft Clarity is like a free Ajar alternative and very cool. But yeah, it's free, so it's not really free. You're the product, but uh, it's cool <laughs> nonetheless. And, um, we ended up having a backlink from a Microsoft.com blog, which was, you know, awesome. That's a nice backlink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We ended up being on some cool podcast or being featured, not in the big uh, publication, but in nice publication, I'd say. So yeah, some second order effect can be nice, but mainly I did it for me and to meet 
other people. I live in the countryside in France. It's hard for me to to randomly uh, talk to people who like SaaS and bootstrapping where I live. <laughs> so it's always cool to to yeah to get into these small communities and uh, and find uh, other people who like this. And so I've met some lots of cool people. Uh, the DM on Twitter. I are also cool. I've also had lots of cool suggestions, like when I tweet about a problem I have or uh, some tool I'm looking for, always have some genuine and cool suggestion. And thirdly, I've also had, I think, three people recommended by other on people, which we ended up working with. So definitely, yeah, something cool, but not the thing that made a scraping be go grow a lot but if if everything fails you can sell a book or a course to all us other developers yeah. as consumers <laughs> yeah I, I don't think i'll ever do this because I, I i'm not a book writing person so and if i ever write a book i think it's going to be for me but uh but yeah maybe if i ever build something else i could get to a few hundred beta user faster than if i hadn't have the twitter account but um, i don't know like I i've never launched something else i've never launched something since uh, scraping b or something big so mm -hmm. we'll see so just to for the listeners who don't know it's as uh, 17,000, I guess, followers is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think, which is like big, but definitely not as big as the real big ones out there, like Peter Levels and also. Yeah. There's always someone with more followers out there, right? <laughs> yeah, there is always a bigger fish. Yeah. and But always. there also seems to be not always good to be the bigger one. Like some people, yeah, exactly. it gets to be too many and it's not fun anymore. Exactly. And I, and that's why I I never, I, I don't think I tweet, I probably tweet, I tweet once a day, I think, no more than that, except when I have this amazing mem ID and I just can't, can't <laughs> not share it. And, uh, and I don't, I'm not optimizing for, you know, getting hundred thousands of user. I I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just not something I'm I'm looking forward to. Like I like it the way it is right now. So if it didn't work as an acquisition channel, what does work for scraping B? So definitely mainly SEO, which is something uh, Kevin should take 100 credit for, 100 percent credit for. Uh, we tried a bit of everything in the early days, but SEO was the the one, well, one of the few we could afford. <laughs> to <laughs> to be honest, at first, and also the the most efficient in terms of. So you spend 10 hours writing content and then you get exposure by sharing it. You get some leads, you get some backlinks, you get some credibility. And um, so, yeah, that's, that is what works 
so so best for us and uh and we've seen other people notice it because it's funny because now i've counted at least 10 web scraping companies uh writing exactly the same content <laughs> article as us and uh yeah that's uh i mean it's funny but it's it's not funny but uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's uh yeah what happened yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a pop, like what you do in those kinds of situations with content, ah, it's yeah. very, it's very visible. So it's so easy for other people to, to copy. I, I, no, no, no. Of yeah. course, of course. And there is, I mean, there's all those SEO analytics tool that will tell you, well, this article on scrapeb.com brings 20K custom uh, user per visitors per month. And all those SEO agency at some point, you're getting big enough that you're going to get tracked by all those tools and you're going to get listed as soon as you type web scraping company somewhere. And so all your content ID are going to get not stolen, but uh, because you can't really steal it, but borrowed. Yeah, let's say borrowed. And well, I guess you can also steal it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, no, to be honest, we did the same tool. Like, yeah, we went to all those big web scraping websites and so okay, what's bringing the be the the most traffic? What's working? What's not working? And uh, everyone does it. That's how it works. Uh, what we never did and what not a lot of people do is actually stealing the content. Like we've had one competitor do it, but uh, that's all I think. That's the only one I know. Of. You had a web scraping competitor yeah, web scrape your blog post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had one people telling me this. So, well, you know, maybe use web uh, scraping B to do it, so it's not that bad. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure, completely relevant. And um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know what we were talking about, but yeah, SEO web acquisition web acquisition uh, channel <laughs> and. Uh, what could I say more about SEO? Yeah, one interesting thing, like, you know, when I told you about our competitor, which inspired us when we built Pricing Bot, what we noticed was that his SEO was very bad. Like, I mean, his SEO was good, but his content was horrible. And so we saw a big opportunity here. We also saw a big opportunity in a writing good actually good and interesting web scraping tutorials for developers, not the one who try to stuff their the product on your mouse, like every two paragraph, you should take a trial, here's a coupon, here's a video, here a link to our YouTube channel. Like we don't do any of this. Maybe we should, but currently we don't. And um, and uh, that's the kind of aged edge we try to exploit like writing very good content in an undercovered SEO niche at that time. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So I guess the trick is figuring out what that content is for everyone else's business, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed your articles. I mean, they were really good. And as you said, they weren't... Um, 
selling it too hard. It was more like, okay, you're done with this tutorial. If you experience problems yeah. X, Y, and Z, we can solve those for you. But if you're just going to be scraping this one time for something and you make it work, like there's no need kind of um, yeah. soft sell. And I think in the long run, people will respect that a lot more. Um, probably, probably. I mean, that's the bet we made. Um, we saw our articles getting order organically posted on a, a Stack Overflow question. No, in the answer uh, section of some question. And it was very cool because it meant, yeah, you know, like developers are reading our content and think, and realize it solves a problem and think it's good enough to share it on some not very, how do you say, like, yeah, Stack Overflow is not the nicest place on earth for developers, and yet people felt comfortable enough to share scraping the article. So, yeah, that was cool. That's probably the biggest compliment you can get from a <laughs> yeah. developer about your content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like that should be one of the milestones. When Brian was on, we talked about having this like startup poster or a thing where you could like get stickers for different milestones in your SaaS journey. And I think organically like being posted to Stack Overflow should be pretty high up there as like a milestone yeah. to to go Definitely. for. <laughs> I would add like not getting destroyed by hacker news. I haven't got that one yet. <laughs> Is that even possible? Like you said, I don't know. That's why it's so valuable. Like this one, <laughs> like it's gold. It's and ultra I, rare. It's like the top zero zero yeah, zero shiny percent. Shiny milestones. Shiny milestones. <laughs> uh, there's getting some uh, on Reddit. Like you can get some kind of I don't know, like uh, imaginary token or gift to a post you really like. Like you can uh, you can gold a post you like and we've got that one too and it was nice i mean it's pure vanity like it's completely useless uh in the, the big picture but it's nice it means you know yeah you spend time writing content and people like it so but i think it, when you do have developers as customers or at least the ones that will pitch it up the chain to whoever is gonna pay for it that to have their respect is, I think, in the long run, as we talked about, um, yeah, will be valuable. Um, and so those kinds of vanity metrics shows that they respect your content and you exactly. as a company, exactly. and 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 that actually means something, even though it's also you know, fun vanity. In the long yeah. run, it actually means something. No, no. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, and yeah, developers are, I think people who really hate marketing except when it is getting free swag from stripe or github <laughs> they hate marketing and so having them seeing you as not as a, this big evil big corporation doing all kind of tracking or adding you on linkedin and on uh, sometime whatsapp but just publishing the best content possible can make a difference yeah uh, i agree i have talked to somebody who though who is very much like well developers say they hate marketing but they are real like we are because we hate like we pretend to hate it so much 
um, and we think we can spot it, it turns out that a lot of developers are really bad at spotting good marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. They're like, you know, I don't like being marketed till, but they are very susceptible for to good marketing because I don't think they don't think yeah. they're gonna fall for it. So therefore, they fall. If fall is the correct word, but um, yeah, it's yeah. it's I, weirdly. And it feels like maybe I'm wrong, but that developers are like, no, you can't have me. Like you have all those other people. You. Although all your classic marketing trick, it won't work on me. So you need to be better than this. That was like, I'm immune to marketing because I'm a developer. And there is this kind of mindset somewhat that you can clearly see on Hacker News. Like you post something and then you're always going to be a smart people saying, hmm, I'm pretty sure it's for SEO. Well, yes. <laughs> Genius. But it doesn't mean it's wrong, you know? So that's, uh, yeah. But I love developers anyway. Like, I think it, there are. I mean, we're all developers, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we're all developers, but of course, well, developers is a very diverse group of people. But uh, like, lots of developers, I think would like to have a business somehow or a small profitable side project somehow at some point. So they tend to enjoy where when you talk about your business, how you built it, when you are quite transparent on how you operate it. And, uh, and uh, also they are one of the best people to get feedback from. It's like, it's really awesome. Okay. Um... So over to that, like transparency and, and stuff that we do enjoy hearing about. How is a typical week in for you in Scraping Bee? Uh, it's usually Monday to Friday. No. And uh Yeah, sorry, that was a terrible joke. <laughs> 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 uh, well that's a that's it's a valuable asset. Could be like Monday to Sunday, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's just not assume. And a typical week, like, honestly, we, it's hard to describe. It's like, we just work, we talk on Slack, we talk about what we should build, we talk about the milestone. Sometime Etienne will release a nice feature, we'll share it on Slack, and be, yeah, so cool, yeah, okay, cool, well, okay, let's move to something else. Uh, with Kevin, we talk once... Once every two weeks, I think, we have this long conversation about, okay, what should we do next? How to solve the current issues? Where to find growth and all? Um, the weekend, I do all the support. So it's kind of annoying. <laughs> but it's getting less and less annoying because Nizar is doing awesome work. And... Um, yeah, uh, I don't have a lot of team process or communication process to share here. It's really kind of a flow. I think we can afford it because we're a very small team and we have a quite simple product in the end. Like there is not tons of feature dashboard screen to to work on. So it's quite easy to, to stay focused on on a few things. 
On a more personal level, do you find it easy to get up every day and like work on scraping B? Mm, it depends. <laughs> like <laughs> now that to be honest, like I've had some bad weeks, yeah, where you're like, no, I don't want to go. All those customers complaining on support and it's going to be scaling issue and we're going to get churn and we're getting destroyed by Google new core update and um, and our intra is not working. And so you're like, yeah, no, I don't want to. But then you remember that if you don't, no one else will. And uh, then you remember that you edited it even more when you were working for someone else. So yeah, <laughs> you get up and you can get up. You take a day off and that's perfectly okay to do so. You know, you go walk outside, uh, do something else with some book, watch some TV, cook some cake, whatever. Like not all our life is in scraping B anyway. We're not particularly passionate about web scraping. So it's important to to not make that business make you crazy or sad or both. That's that's a good mantra to live by. <laughs> yeah. And it's easier said than done because at the end of the day, it's a small team. There's always issue and you have some you have to be accountable to your customer, to your employee now, to your investor, to yourself too, because uh, yeah, I'd be terrified if I had to, to, to go and apply for a job. So, but, uh, but I mean, it's all pros and cons for all jobs. So. Got it. Cool. Do you have more questions, Benedicta? No, or should we I wrap it? We are so. close to an hour. We are weak. We could wrap it. Do you have anything you would like to say uh, that we haven't asked you? Is there something we should have asked you? Uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't dare to say that you should have asked something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think it was quite cool. It was uh, the opportunity to talk about things I never talked about, which was refreshing. And uh, yeah, thank you. I had some so, good time. So where can or, people go to find out more about you? Well, they could go to Twitter, Pierre de Wulf, <laughs> or on scrapeb.com if they want to learn about web scraping. Even better, scrapingb.com slash blog. And uh, that'd be it. That's where it's happening. And check exactly. the description for a link to the Twitter for those who um, are not that good at spelling French surnames. Um, <laughs> yeah. And a backlink <laughs> to the blog, too. we'll add that we'll add that we'll add that absolutely it's already in the show notes (laughs) amazing amazing (laughs) SEO checklist done (laughs) awesome thanks a lot for joining us this was a fun conversation thank you for having me we'll see you around the interwebs yeah see you around the interwebs exactly thank you Bye. bye